It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Good evening. My name is Claudio Mendoza. Today is Wednesday, November 13th, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Four days on, three days off. That's what a new bill working its way through the state legislature could bring. Proponents say it would boost efficiency and promote a happier workforce. But not everyone thinks this new paradigm is a good idea. Some call the bill a job killer. Tonight, the California Report explores both sides of the issue. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt chats with Eric Dunn of the Wild and Scenic Film Festival about upcoming Earth Day festivities. We close tonight with a commentary by Shirley Frerichs. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. How do fewer hours of work for the same amount of pay sound to you? Well, a bill that aims to cut California's work week down to 32 hours from the usual 40 is working its way through the state legislature. The proposed legislation would apply to companies in the state with more than 500 employees. At the national level, meanwhile, similar legislation has been introduced in Congress by Riverside County Congressman Mark Takano. Private industry groups are against the idea, more about that in a bit, but writer and futurist Alex Sujung Kim Pong is a champion of working fewer hours a week. He wrote about it in his recent book, Shorter, and joins us now. So Alex, what's the very best single argument for reducing the American and California work week? The single best argument is that it's good for workers, it's good for companies, it's good for economies and the environment, which might be four answers in one, but the reality is it's not something that is a concession like wrestled from companies or from managers. It's actually something that we have seen around the world in a variety of industries benefiting everybody equally. And why in particular good for, let's just take two of those, workers and the companies they work for? For companies, the move to a four-day week is one that sort of forces them to think a lot about how they use technology, how they use time to encourage greater sort of collaboration and cooperation between employees to look for efficiencies or to get rid of inefficiencies. And so, you know, the end result is that almost all companies find that they're able to do in four days what previously had taken them five or more, while, you know, at the same time, sometimes, you know, reducing their electricity bills, their carbon footprints, ending up with a happier workforce with people who are less stressed, less likely to burn out, and often also with managers or founders and CEOs who also share the benefits of better work-life balance, greater resilience, and lower levels of stress. You know, private industry has blasted these ideas the California Chamber of Commerce is is calling this California bill a a job killer. We don't need to get into the particulars of their arguments, but but do you at least acknowledge that it would be tougher for some industries to do this and some kind of workers versus other kind of workers? You know, it's certainly the case that for, for example, seasonal workers, it's harder to to implement a four-day week, right? If you are working construction and there's not a lot happening in the Rocky Mountains on building sites in December and January anyway, or to figuring out how to implement a four-day week may be a little bit more difficult. However, I think that you know, we have seen enough examples across restaurants, 
nursing homes, you know, factories, as well as doing so with the support and often sort of inspiration from top management. Richard Nixon in 1956 talked about how the four-day week was just around the corner thanks to great Republican stewardship of the economy. Hmm. How many hours a week do you work? You know, I tend to work more like four or five solid hours six or seven days because I've got clients in Europe, I've got or the collaborators in New Zealand and in Asia. So I tend to be sort of time shifting a little bit more. All right. That is Alex Sujung Kim Pong. He's a futurist and author of the book Shorter, where he advocates for a shorter work week. Alex, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Great to talk to you, Saul. Thanks for having me. Now, the legislation to shorten the work week is already facing major pushback from private industry. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has that part of the story. The California Chamber of Commerce says it would significantly increase labor costs for employers. In fact, the chamber estimates the bill would result in a minimum 10% increase in wages per employee each week. Ashley Hoffman is a policy advocate for the chamber and says if the legislation is approved, it could have long-term impacts for the state. We did some analysis on the bill and estimate that it could end up in job losses, of, you know, upwards of 340,000, um, up to potentially a million jobs, um, just because of the sheer increase in cost. Hoffman says the chamber will continue to advocate for more cost-effective workplace changes like having individuals be able to arrange more flexible work schedules with their employers or relaxing some of the strict time requirements when it comes to taking breaks. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. And let's stay on workplace issues. Amazon's warehouse workers are getting injured twice as often as workers at other warehouses across the country. And in California, the rates are even higher. That's according to a new study out from a labor union coalition based in the Inland Empire. KQED's Aditi Bandlamudi has more. Last year, CEO Jeff Bezos promised shareholders Amazon would become the Earth's safest place to work. In truth, the online retailers' warehouses have become more dangerous in recent years, according to Sheheryar Kaosji. He's executive director of the Warehouse Workers Resource Center, a labor advocacy group based in Ontario. The very quick shipping is not some magic that comes from an algorithm or a machine. It comes from human beings running and working really fast. Kaosji's group is working with an umbrella group called the Strategic Organizing Center, which analyzed five years of injury records Amazon filed with the U.S. Occupational Health and Safety Administration, or OSHA. According to those statistics, the more than 120 logistics facilities Amazon runs in California collectively have an injury rate 60% higher than rival warehouses. The result on one end is record profits for Amazon, and the result on the other end is uh, record injury rates for their employees. Amazon tripled its profits during the pandemic. In a statement, a company spokesperson blamed the surge in injuries on the rush to meet surging demand from consumers stuck at home, adding the company, quote, still has more work to do. This year, a new state law restricts the kinds of algorithmically driven quotas companies like Amazon use, especially if they encourage workers to move so fast they get injured. But it's April. The law's only been in effect for three months. For The California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi in San Francisco. Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. 
Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, April 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional weather, for Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, rain, mainly after 9 p.m., low around 37. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Thursday, rain, high near 47. Chance of precipitation is 90%, with up to one inch of rain possible. On Thursday night, rain likely, mainly before midnight, then cloudy, with a steady temperature around 45 degrees. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight, snow showers likely, mainly after 8 p.m., with a low around 23. New snow accumulation of 1 to 3 inches possible. On Thursday, snow showers and a high near 39. New snow accumulation of 3 to 7 inches possible. Snow showers continue through Thursday evening, mainly before 11 p.m., with a low around 28. The National Weather Service has issued a winter weather advisory for the Greater Lake Tahoe area beginning at 11 p.m. this evening and continuing to 11 p.m. Thursday evening. Travel could become very difficult and hazardous conditions could impact the morning or evening commute. Strong winds could cause tree damage and gusty winds will bring rough waters to Lake Tahoe with wave heights of up to three feet. For the latest road conditions, call 511. For Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight rain likely, mainly after 10 p.m., with a low around 47 degrees. On Thursday, rain with a high near 58, and on Thursday night, mostly cloudy, with a low around 51 and a 50% chance of rain. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Earth Day, a 50-year tradition celebrated by billions of people around the globe, is fast approaching. In our next segment, Felton Pruitt chats with Eric Dunn, Wild and Scenic Film Festival producer, about local Earth Day events taking place on April 23rd and 24th. We're talking with Eric Dunn. He's the festival producer for the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, who have some special Earth Day events coming up. Eric, why don't you tell us about them? Yeah, we're really looking forward to returning to in-person festivities and programming over Earth Day weekend. And we'll be celebrating Earth Day weekend with a number of film screenings that will include some special guest speakers for post-screening talks. We also are going to have an author talk and a couple field trips. So we we're going to kick things off on Saturday the 23rd with uh, our perennial favorites Saturday morning family-friendly films. It's going to be a nice selection of films, a number of short films to start things off, and then things wrap up with like a 45-minute BBC film all about um, Antarctica, which just has some gorgeous footage. 
all sorts of good stuff under the ice and penguins and from from the sky so really beautiful film there and a number of the shorts are going to be award-winning films from this year's festival that was all virtual in january so it's a great chance to see some of those films that were uh, awarded on the big screen so that's going to be exciting and that's uh, at 9 30 a.m at the del oro theater um, again on saturday april 23rd eric is that recommended for kids Yes, that family-friendly program is definitely great for kids. Um, you know, I think really any age child, you know, could, could be a great fit for that program. All right. What else you got? Yeah, so uh, also on Saturday the 23rd, we've got a couple field trips going on. One of the field trips is going to be going to Downown Farms, which is a licensed uh, Nevada County cannabis farm. And that's in partnership with our friends over at the uh, Nevada County Cannabis Alliance. And it's a great chance for, uh, you know, the demystification of what's going on on a licensed cannabis farm in our county. That's going to be in the afternoon. It is free, though we recommend RSVPing, um, which is required. And we recommend doing that sooner than later because that field trip is filling up. And then also in the afternoon, we've got a field trip with Circle, our parent organization, South Yuba River Citizens League. And that's going to be a Scotch Broom Challenge down at uh, Purden Crossing. That event is also free. You just have to RSVP on our website. Um, and that is an invasive species uh, removal day to help keep the Purden and River Canyon, you know, safe from fire and without invasive species. So it's always great to offer some different ways for people to engage in the Earth Day festivities. And those are two great options to kind of get outside there on the 23rd. And then that field trip to Down Elm Farms is a direct tie-in with one of the films screening on the 24th. We have the film Ladybuds, which is all about uh, female cannabis uh, entrepreneurs and farmers it's a film that's been getting a lot of buzz and has a couple spin-offs that are in the works for it. And so we've got a special guest film subject that was in the film is going to be joining us in person, along with the co-founder of the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, Diana Gamzon. So we're really looking forward to that screening, and that'll be taking place at 4.30 p.m. at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley on the 24th. And then some other programming that we have going on all day on the 24th. We're kicking things off at 10 a.m. with a coffee talk. That's going to be with author Shirley Descard, author of a book called Homewood. And that'll be at 10 a.m. at the center. And then at noon, we'll be screening the film Inhabitants, an Indigenous Perspective. And that was the 2022 award winner for People's Choice at this year's festival. And we're really excited to have a great panel together for that. It's going to feature special guests, uh, Nissanon spokesperson Shelley Covert, uh, Washoe Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Daryl Cruz, and author and ethno-historian Dr. Tannis Thorne. So that should be a great discussion about indigenous practices and indigenous knowledge that'll directly follow that noon screening of the film Inhabitants. So that'll be at the center as well. 
Exactly. Yeah. So the film screening on the 23rd is at the Del Oro Theater, the family friendly films in the morning. And then all the other film screenings and the author coffee talk are going to be taking place at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley on the 24th. Well, some really good stuff that Wild and Scenic is doing, as always. Uh, Tell people how to get in touch with uh, the film festival. Yeah, I mean, always uh, wildandscenicfilmfestival.org is a great place to go for all the information. You can also get tickets at earthday.eventive.org. Um, but either of those websites will get you there so you can reserve your spot in those field trips or get some tickets for you and family and friends. And we look forward to celebrating Earth Day weekend with everyone and being back in person and getting to see some of these films on the big screen again. Is there a phone number people can call if they are challenged computer-wise? Yeah, you can give us a ring at 530-265-5961. Excellent. We've been talking with Eric Dunn. He's the festival producer for the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, the Earth Day events coming up on the 23rd and 24th of April. Thanks for what you do. Thanks very much, Felton. As we all grapple with the effects of climate change, it's worth noting that all is not lost. Tonight's commentary by Shirley Frerichs offers some hope. In it, she shares all of the positive changes that are being implemented by many businesses and offers a few small changes we can all adopt to do our part. Good news for the climate challenges. There are many innovations happening. Lots of reasons for hope, as Jane Goodall points out in her new book. If we keep our positive outlook and trust and hope to move through this dark time into the brighter future... It takes each one of us doing what we can, as well as all of us moving together to make bigger things happen. The Climate Optimist, published by Harvard University, writes that billions of dollars of government funding are in the works to help climate crisis, thanks to the passing of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Global treaties are going to help from the top down, while we work from the bottom up. The Global Methane Pledge will help to reduce climate warming. Work by waste haulers like Waste Management will capture methane gas from landfills to be used productively for energy. In fact, Waste Management will now be known as WMX Technologies because their new sustainability plans will focus more on solutions that will reduce waste and its associated negative aspects rather than looking only to take care of what we consumers give them, mountains of trash. As subscribers to their services, we'll be asked to do the same. It's time to really focus on reduce and reuse. The Global Plastic Treaty had been mandated and will be worked out to take effect in 2024. It will have some enforcement powers. Here again, it's up to we the people to refuse single-use plastics, write to stores and producers to demand they change, and develop new types of containers that will be fully recyclable and truly compostable. Microplastics have been found in human bodies, so it's a health threat which we need to pay attention to. In the world of clothing, Patagonia started a trend to take back worn clothes to refurbish and sell as worn wear. They say our goal is to use only renewable or recyclable materials in our products by 2025. To solve the plastic pollution problem at its roots, we're partnering with scientists, researchers, and other apparel companies. The climate crisis is our business. REI is following suit. 
And also, you know, a new trend. Many young people are now buying clothes online that have been gently worn and refurbished rather than buying new. You know, and the new ones are often, you know, only worn a few times and, and thrown away. So now instead of throwing them away, they send them back to resell them on, on the internet. Subaru has a pilot project to cut waste and become the first zero waste landfill automobile plant, persuading suppliers to ship materials and earth-friendly packaging and find ways to recycle everything from styrofoam to ding bumpers. We can all pressure Amazon and other online shippers to do the same. Coca-Cola announced its new reuse and refill goal to offer 25% of its beverages in reusable containers by 2030. This is great. And they're testing refill stations that only use reusable bottles. This bottle refill idea is a big one that our cities here and the fairgrounds need to adopt. Do you carry your refillable bottle? And go to Gaia Soap to refill your plastic containers rather than pitching them and buying even more? Starbucks is beginning to pilot reusable cups programs for customers. No more unrecyclable single-use paper. Will Dutch Brothers follow suit? Maybe, if we pressure them. IKEA, world's biggest furniture retailer, plans to use only renewable and recyclable materials in its products by 2030. Interkinea said they would remove all single-use plastic products from the range and in-store restaurants by 2022. We need to start working on a few stores here, like Safeway and other stores that have almost everything in plastic now. You know, we can band together to ask our various eateries here locally to use only non-plastic takeout containers. There are alternatives. Be sure to take your own container. You can do that. You can take it to your own container to the delis, the, the, the meat markets, you know, to the restaurants. It'll help a lot. Target, Walmart, and CVS are leading a $15 million challenge to reinvent and possibly eliminate the plastic bag as we know it and replace them with something else that will be recyclable, compostable. Seventh generation takes sustainability to a new level with package plastic-free packaging. Recently, it decided to step up its efforts by beginning to move away from plastic completely, starting a new line called Zero Plastic Home Care. They're using powdered and dehydrated home cleaning products. No more big plastic jugs. This is great. By all means, look at Paul Hawkins' new book on regeneration, ending the climate crisis in one generation. He has a website called Nexus under projectregeneration.org that gives new ideas of what we each can do and help get accomplished together to be part of ending the climate crisis. I encourage you to check it out and be part of the solution. Never give up hope. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That concludes our newscast for this Wednesday evening, April 13th. But stay with us. Coming up next, the sages among us. Tonight, Taylor Wolf will be speaking with Liz and Steve Heinen, volunteers with the Humane Society of Truckee Tahoe. Then at 7, it's Democracy Now! before we return to the music. At 8, Annie O'Day Hesbeck brings us Celtic Cadence before Sacramento Dave ushers in a new day with The Rock Show. 
KVMR gets support from you, our generous listeners, and from business supporters like Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998. Featuring nine independent vendors, offering used, rare, and collector's items, including music, DVDs, vinyl, and art. Open daily on Bank Street, Grass Valley. Booktownbooks.com and Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center, LLC, providing outpatient ophthalmic surgical procedures, interventional pain management, also surgeries of the foot and ankle since 2006. Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center on Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley. S-A-S-C-Online.com. Thanks for supporting independent community media. For KVMR, I'm Claudio Mendoza, wishing you a restful evening. We'll see you tomorrow.